podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now, we're going into week number 2 of a sermon series that we're doing here at Redemption Alhambra uh, called Tapestry. Now, this series, uh, like we talked about last week, is, is a series that we've been working on for almost a year. We've been praying uh, together with a group of guys and, and really just di- diving into some things. We've been talking about the things that could divide us, but that the gospel supersedes those divisions and allows us to celebrate differences, but to be one people, one body. So, so what we're calling for in this series, in, in this series called Tapestry, if you've ever seen a tapestry or uh, this, these beautiful pieces of art, it is all of this fabric that is sewn together with different colors and, and, different, and different looks, and it comes together as one piece. Now, all of those individual members are beautiful, but it, they surrender themselves to this one tapestry, and that they together, as a piece of art, reflects beauty together. That's the picture we want you to see as we dive into this series, that we want to see a culture in this church that, is, that supersedes our individuality while it also holds our individuality precious and as it reflects the, the grace and goodness of God and the glory of God. But we want to be one beautiful tapestry, one piece of art that reflects our Creator. And let me make it very, very clear. That in this series, we are not trying to fight for genders and ethnicities and classes and ages uh, to come together in one service and just worship together, although that is a beautiful picture, uh, a time where we can come together. If you look across this room, I see all of that. I see all race and and, and ages and, and classes sitting in this room. That's a beautiful picture. But we're not just calling for more of this. What we're really praying for is that the people of God would not just be multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-race, all these kinds of things that we can talk through, multi-gender, all this in one room, but that we would be a people who are in community together, who are learning from one another, who are a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and differences are not what divide us, it's what actually we see as bringing us together under this banner of Christ that that makes us this display of the gospel. We're actually calling for a community, a kingdom of people that desire to reflect the glory of God to this neighborhood. Not just sitting in a room together, but knowing one another. Praying together, digging each in, into each other's lives. And so that's why inside of our gospel or inside of our redemption communities, we're asking these, this month that we sit and talk through some of these things around tables face to face so that we can begin to dive into these kinds of relationships. Now, today, in week number two, we're going to dive into this issue of sexism. 
sexism. Now, uh, let me explain what sexism is or gender discrimination. It is a prejudice or a discrimination, a discrimination based on a person's sex or gender. It's an attitude that stems from stereotypes or gender roles that may include this belief that because someone is one gender or the other, they are superior to the other gender. So this idea of because I'm a man, I'm, I'm better than a woman, or because I'm a woman, I'm, I'm better than a man, whatever that is, this idea that genders actually divide us rather than we see them in light of the gospel. Now, let me make a couple of obvious statements, and we're going to have them up on the screen. And when you hear these statements, you are going to think that I am just extremely profound. No, it's, that's not, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be a, 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 a duh moment for all of you. Like me even saying it, you're going to go, duh, right? No, these statements need to be made, but they, they seem obvious, but they're important to make them. Because if we do not make them, we're, we're not starting on the right platform. And so here's what, here's what I'm going to do when we jump into this series I'm going to let you know that every one of these weeks are going to be um, extremely awkward, uncomfortable, and if you want to come to church and just be comfortable and, 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 and not feel the awkwardness, these are going to be really hard series for you because they're going to call all of us to that place. And so as I make these statements, a lot of us try to ignore awkward situations in order to have this facade of comfortability. But here's what we really want to do. We want to learn from these things and, and be willing to sit in these tensions. So I'm going to make these statements and hopefully you'll be able to feel uh, the weight of the tension in this topic. So number one, I'll say this. Men and women are different. That's powerful, right? You can see what I'm saying by duh, right? Um, and here's what I'll say. From every perspective, it is proven that men and women are different. Medically, they're proven to be different. Scientifically, men and women are proven to be different. Psychologically, men and women are proven to be different. I was just reading an article this week about just scientifically how the brains of men and women work differently, that there's this right side, left side brain, and men's brains work in patterns of front to back. And so you look at the brain patterns of, of a man, and all of it is going like this in their little categories, right? Just back and forth, running forth. And women's brain patterns, if you look at their brain patterns, go left to right. It's just like back and forth, zigzag. It's like this really confusing. Like for me, I'm just like this, and for a while, it's just boom. Everything's connected. Everything's intertwined. And you look at these brain patterns, and you go, there's another difference. Scientifically, psychologically, listen, every form of evidence proves this. Men and women are different. Okay. Now, the second thing would be this. Men have used their strength and preference and leadership in sinful ways. Uh, let me just put it out there on the table. Our history has been one of 
women being abused, marginalized, and self-centered men who have, who have used their preference or strength or whatever you want to call it, um, and they've misused and abused and sexualized and undervalued women. Now, with that, when we see that in our history, and you don't, you don't have to really be a historian to really just look back that far and understand that there has been significant, significant um, devaluing and marginalizing of women, not only in our country, but throughout history. So with that, what has happened is women have had to fight for their rights, women's liberation and feminism, and they, and, and they have, have really risen up and started to fight for their rights. And inside of that, what we've seen take place is a lot of gender fighting in the culture that we're in. We're going to address some of that. Now, with this, another obvious statement would be this, and I, I hope that in making this statement we can feel the weight of this. This is a sensitive subject. That's another duh. This is a sensitive t- subject, and I'm not going to walk. Um, I'm not going to walk out of here today with everybody being a big fan of me, right? Why? Because I will be misunderstood. I guarantee it. I will have, by many of you in this room, my motives questioned. It will be simple to to kind of shoot arrows and attack because I'm standing on the stage and I have a big target on me, right? But if we're going to sit at a table of unity and just make statements like we don't see gender and we don't see these distinctions and we're not going to talk about the sensitive nature of it just so that we will not be questioned and just so we can live in kind of this fantasy land. We're never going to see the real unity that the Bible calls us into if we constantly ignore sensitive topics. We can't do that. And so with all of that, me walking in here, I want you to first to feel the weight of, 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 of me standing here saying, I'm going to bring these topics to the table because I've been wrestling with it all week. I couldn't even barely sleep last night. But then on the top of that, I, there's something that supersedes my desire to, to not be misunderstood. And that is, I believe that the gospel can bring great light into sensitive subjects. and Freedom. I, I have chosen, and all of, all of those who will be preaching in this series, we've, we've talked about it myself, I'm, I'm going to be doing sexism this week, next week I'm going to be doing racism, and then the following week, Brother Wayne, he's going to be preaching on, uh, on classism, and then after that, Wes will be talking about generationalism, and we have kind of agreed together that these topics... Um, when you get to sensitive topics, when you're a guy like me, you, you like to just make jokes to make everybody feel like, ha ha, let's laugh about it. This is real sense, you know, just the uncomfortableness. Let's just make jokes and we'll all laugh and hopefully learn, right? Uh, everything in me wants to be up here and just crack funnies the whole time, right? But as I dive into this subject, I have to go against that kind of mentality of trying to address sensitive subjects with, with, with just humor, and I want you to feel the weight of this, is we are going to learn 
and we're going to feel the weight of this topic and hopefully walk out of here in that tension, believing that the gospel is what's going to pull us out of this. So there won't be much humor, if you will. If you laugh, great. But we're going to try to dive into this because we don't have a lot of time and carry on these conversations. Now, let me just start with creation because what we tend to do when we approach sensitive topics is we start with the brokenness or the fall. We start with how messed up things are, right? But, but today, in honor of Scripture, in honor of God's Word, we're going to start where God starts, and He starts with creation, how He made this thing to be. God is eternal. God is the creator of all things. It is God who in and of himself had perfect community. He's all sufficient. Everything in and of himself is is God that's perfect mystery of the Trinity. Three in one. That there is community in himself. God is this perfect and holy and right and beautiful that before there was anything there was God. And so that out of God, out of His beauty, out of His holiness, out of His greatness, He creates. And when He creates, every day He says, let there be. And by the power of His Word, as Anthony was saying, by the power of His Word, whatever He said, let there be, it it took place. That's how powerful God's Word is. That's how much authority it has. There's nothing and God speaks and it's there. Let there be light, and light appears. And every day as he's creating these things, and you could go through and find out what he creates each day, at the end of each day, he says this statement, this is good. Here's not only what God is able to do. When you create something, you're also able to give it its value. When you are the creator and the author of all things and you are the ultimate good, when you create it in its place and in its order, it's good as you created it. He gives it its value. But then on the sixth day, God creates His image bearer. He he creates His reflection. He creates this apex. And instead of just saying, let there be, this time God gets hands on. He reaches into the dirt of the ground, to the dust of the ground. He forms man. And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And for the first time as he creates this man, he says something interesting. He doesn't say this is good. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Now notice this. When he says it's not good for man to be alone, there is a bigger agenda than just marriage. There's a bigger agenda than just loneliness. That is, that man was created to reflect the image and the likeness of God. So in order to reflect the image and likeness of God, he would have to be in community. Why? Because God in and of himself is three in one. He is in community. No man alone can reflect the fullness of the image and glory of God. And so what he does is he creates a woman. But notice this, he doesn't create the woman the same as the man. Why? Because it's not about sameness, it's about them two together reflecting the glory of God together in community. So that even in their differences, when they come together, they are a purer, more truer reflection of the glory of God. 
So what we see is God creates all of these things. And I want you to just think for a moment. Take your mind out of the cultural context that you're in and try to, to put yourself in the beauty of creation and realize this, that as God created it, they were not fighting for place. Neither one of them was trying to figure out what role and place they had in God's creation. That the man was not trying to dominate and trying to rise himself up and he wasn't trying to hold her down. This was perfect unity. That they were reflecting the glory of God together. There wasn't a fighting for place. They weren't arguing over roles in their partnership. They were working together perfectly in their partnership. He supported and loved and cherished her. And she helped and was a part of the process of ruling and reigning together. There wasn't an arguing of roles in partnership. They had a pure and perfect purpose together they knew what their work was to do that they would rule and reign together in perfect harmony and unity and that their roles and their purpose was to reflect the image and glory of God and to steward creation to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and they were working together for that cause why because they couldn't be fruitful and multiply separate they could only fulfill the great commission, the great purpose that God had given them together. This is how God created His men and women to work together, to not fight for place, to not argue over roles and partnership, and to not fight for their own purpose to be fulfilled but that they would work together for one great and glorious purpose. Now, what ruins this? <laughs> one word. It's sin. Sin is what destroys what we just talked about. Sin is what comes in. And, and, and here's what I want you to, to see. When, when sin comes in and you see the serpent tempting Eve and you're going, see, I knew women were the downfall of all creation, right? The Bible says the man was standing right there the whole time. Listening to the whole conversation. But here you see the serpent coming and what is the temptation? The temptation is not for Eve to be the man. The temptation is you want to be like God. Sin is not going after the man's position. It's going after God's position. Why? Because God is the one who created man and gave him his role and gave him this position and created woman and gave him his role and gave him his position. And he's the one who created the partnership and he's the one who created the purpose. And any attack against the place, the partnership, and the purpose is not going after another position. It's going after God's position. We want to determine what's good. And when God is not in the place, here's what happens. Man only cares about his work. Why? Because when sin came in, a part of the curse was the man would focus now and care only about his work. And the woman, part of her curse was this. She would not be satisfied with her 
role with her part of the partnership. She would go after the man's position. What the man does inside of this sinful relationship is blame the woman. What she does is she experiences now not the beauty of her multiplying and that through her womb would come these precious children to fill the earth and to to raise them and disciple them, but now she would experience pain and want something else besides that. doesn't seem to her to be good any longer. Sin is what caused the breakdown of relationships. It's sin that causes the breakdown of relationships. So when we look at our history, a a history that goes far beyond American history, but when we look at our history, history and what we see is men who have blamed, abused, ignored, and limited, it's sin that causes that. Now, when we see woman who is fighting for equality, and I'll, I'll put that because I, I, we're going to clarify that a little bit, and, and, and wanting to have sameness with man, wanting to have the same as a man. The thought and the idea that we need to be men, that we need to have the same privileges, that we want to be the same as a man, those same rights, those, those same positions, right? is all stemmed back from sin. And because of this war, here's what we have in the culture that we live in today. Because of this gender war, and let me me be very clear, I said this at the beginning, I believe that this gender war has much to do with men's abuse and and misappropriating and limiting and and not understanding the fullness of how God created things to be. But let let me make it be very clear, there's a very clear gender war. Because of this war, here's what we have. We have gender confusion. Now, we have men and women who, who don't even know if they should look at or experience what, what it is, natural attraction to another, another woman, or to a man attracted woman. Now, it's, 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 since everybody's the same, then what's the difference between having same-sex attraction? having gender confusion. The other thing that has come to pass in the, in the war of gender is that women have tried to fight for position is they've looked at their freedoms and said, look, if we're going to be like a man, we need to have the same sexual freedom. And that means we should not have this, this burden and this pain of bearing children. And, and so in order for a woman to become like a man, one of the things that we have fought for is for their right to destroy human life. Why? Because if they're going to be like a man, they shouldn't have to bear children. You want to know what's happening in the the face of the gender wars that we see? It's not only confusion, not only sexual freedom. It's fighting for sameness, abortion being rampant. What do we see? Here's what we see. We see the whole fabric of the family is falling apart. 
the whole fabric of the family is falling apart. And because of that, the whole fabric of our society is falling apart. That's what we see. Now, if this is true, if this is true, if this is what we're seeing take place, how does the gospel address this issue? Let's look at Galatians chapter 3. And what I'm going to ask you to do is let's stand in respect to God's Word because here's what, here's what I want us to see. And then I'm going to make a few comments and we're going to end with a time of communion together. Now, the reason why we stand as we read God's Word is because we want to respect it. We want to everybody in this room to understand that this is His Word, not mine. So let's read it in light of that, starting in verse 20. Three. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are, an, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God, I pray that the gospel would penetrate into these gender wars, that they would penetrate into our hearts and, and you would reveal to us how we are not seeing things appropriately, that you would renew our minds and that you'd give us a bigger picture of what it means to be a man and a woman who are under the rule and reign of Christ. Bless this conversation. God, I ask that you would Use this church to see this picture that we would learn what it is like to live in harmony with one another in Jesus' name. Everybody said, you may be seated. You still with me today? Some of you? Okay. I love Galatians, and I'm going to run through this really quick, but I love Galatians, and here's the reason why. Because Paul is righteously ticked off in a nice way. <laughs> he is passionate because from the very beginning of the book, he starts just diving into how have you forsaken the gospel and turned back to the law? You've fallen into the trap of religion and self-righteousness. Even at the beginning of Galatians chapter 3, he says, the law's bewitched you. When you hear the gospel, here's what you have to hear, that there is nothing that you can do to earn your right standing back with God. It is the Spirit's work that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Spirit comes in and His work regenerates us and revives us and renews in us and brings us back to our created place and partnership and purpose. But there's something about us that wants the law it's a bewitching thing to think we can earn place and position and purpose. So he's calling them out throughout the whole book. Why are you going back to the law? Because here's what the gospel does. The gospel draws a flat line and puts us 
all, with all of our differences, with all the things that could divide us, with all the things that elevate one and discriminate against the other, it puts all of us on a flat line and says, we are all in Christ. So that those who have the privilege of being children of God and being baptized and devoted to Christ enjoy this common grace and love, this this amazing grace and love that we receive and it puts us all on a flat line. But here's what Paul is saying throughout all of Romans, but specifically Romans chapter 3, the law creates differences. He says this, here's what the law does, it makes differences between Jews and Greeks and we're going to talk about race later but basically it gives the Jewish people preeminence over the Greeks over all others it gives privilege and preference to one race over the other the law discriminates the law gives preference to classes to the master and the servant it gives rights and power and privilege to the wealthy over the poor here's the other thing you have to see and we're going to study this today is that it gives privilege to the male over the female. The male experienced in the law great privilege. Why? Because males alone could experience circumcision, which was a sign of the covenant. This contrasted from the baptism applied to male and female alike. They alone, men were alone capable of being kings and priests. But now, because of this great covenant, we see that God has welcomed in and we have become a a kingdom of kings and priests, a people of God. Privileges that were experienced by men because of the law Here's what ended up happening. It was those who were experiencing those privileges that were fighting so much harder for there to be laws. But this is not how it is now. We all stand on the same level. We are all one in Christ. That there is not one of us who is accepted by God or brought into relationship with God because of their nationality, because of their wealth or their class, or because they are male or female. That because of the work of Christ, we have all been brought into this one faith in Him. The individual differences between Jews and Greeks and between slave and free and between male and female are merged. Hear me on this. Those differences are merged into a higher unity that we get to experience because we are a part of this one body that is in Christ. This common life that we get to experience in Christ Jesus. We have now one heart that beats in all of us. This pulsating life of Christ, our Lord Jesus, is what motivates us and gives us power. This mind guides us. This mind of Christ is is, is in us. And Jesus' Spirit gives us this strength and life. And if we really believe this, then it is this work of Christ that now gives us, hear me this, it gives us place. Notice this. He doesn't say that when you come into Christ, 
you're no longer you're no longer different in any way externally there are differences and those differences are still there all of those differences are actually created by God but now in Christ he is the one who takes all of those differences as we're talking about today male and female and he brings male and female into one united place where now together they can reflect the grace and glory of their Lord and Savior as they live in family and unity together now because of Christ here's what's restored our place is restored in Christ we now can see how God created us to be he's made us men and women in his image and likeness what else do we get to see we get to see partnership restored now we're not trying to be the same but we enjoy one another's differences and we're created one in Christ now we see that in our differences we have a higher unity that actually together we can reflect the grace and glory of God more perfectly the other thing is we see our purpose together up on the screen here's what I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do and I know I'm running a little bit late. When I get nervous, I talk a lot, right? But here's what I want, I want to do. I want to take the last five minutes and pastor you in this. Here's the reason why. On the screen, I, I, I put this word daughters. And here's the reason why I put the word daughters. If we could switch to that screen. Daughters, yeah. This is why I put the word daughters up there is because many of you could look at me and go, well, he doesn't understand what it means to be a woman. And, and let me just affirm, you're right, I don't. But here's what I do understand. I do understand what it is to be a man who has daughters. And looks at his daughters with a deep love for them. And wants to see them know who they are in Christ. And it is truly an honor to see these girls and to love them and in everything in me want them to know to know who they are so as I'm speaking to you today I ask God to just give me a heart that you would be able to see that even though I don't understand what it is to be a woman I do understand what it is to have daughters and I want to speak to you from this heart here's what I want you to hear you are valuable. God created you as a woman. He is the one who gave you your value. Your value comes from God. Your value comes from the price that Jesus paid on the cross. He created you to be a woman. So don't look for your value or your belonging in a man. Don't look for it there. You're never going to find your value in a man. Here's the other thing. You're not going to find it in yourself. There's two ways that I see women trying to find value, and that is in a man. You won't find it there. The other place is trying to find it in themselves. Usually when they've been hurt by a man, they stop looking for it in a man and start looking for it in themselves problem with that is it's a reaction to say that all men are dogs which might be true the other thing is you start looking for it in yourself and you realize that in yourself 
It's not in you either. All your value and all your worth comes from your creator and not only the one who created you, but the one who redeemed you. He purchased you. He paid the price for you. Let God show you who you are. Let Him determine place in this world for you. Don't fight for place. Let Him give you place. I want you to hear this. Number two is this. You are equal image bearers of God. This word, equal, if you really believe the gospel, you won't fight for equality. Why? Because you believe that God has made you equal. You are already equal image bearers of God. Equality is not the fight here, right? It is this understanding that we know God has made us equal. We have to know that He's made us equal, but hear me on this but different. Don't let equality mean sameness. You're equal, but you're different. Do not fight for strength or power or women's pride. Pride is never something good to fight for. Know this, that God has created us as His people to reflect Him in partnership. Hear me on this. We need We need each other. Men, you need women in your life. Women, you need men. So this idea that I don't need a man pushes against this idea of how God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for this alone. We need to know what it looks like to be in community together. The other thing is this. God has given you a unique purpose Without you fulfilling the purpose that God has designed and intended for you, the church suffers, the family suffers, the community suffers. When you start fighting for another purpose and another place, and you start fighting for another position and abandon the position that God has given to you, there's a huge gap in what this world actually needs. We need you. The other thing is this. Long for righteousness and not for rights. Here's what I see happening in the world around us. is that we're fighting for rights, but what ends up happening when we fight for rights is that our rights supersede the righteousness of God. What we really long for in Christ is righteousness. That's right standing before God. Let's fight for that. Let's long for that. As the band comes, I I want to do the same thing for my brothers. I wish I could say more, but here is how I want to speak to you men in this room, and that is as sons, as the band can come. Here's what I do know. I do know what it is to be a man, but I also know what it is to have sons. So I want to speak to you men in this room. Here's what I want you to hear. First is this. Your place is one of responsibility. I want you to hear this because a lot of us look at our preference or our strength or our leadership that God has called us into and we look, this is what a man, look at this, and we take pride in it. But the Bible actually speaks of it in, a, in frames of responsibility. It should, 
it should weigh on us that we have all these strengths and preferences and call to leadership. Why? Because God is putting on us more responsibility. Notice this. The first sin was never coined the sin of Eve. It was always coined the sin of Adam. Why? Because he was standing right there. And the weight in God's eyes throughout Scripture that that first sin was not woman's sin. And we say, oh, look, the woman's sin. That, that's, a, that's a blame game. In God's eyes, that sin falls squarely on Adam's shoulders. First Peter speaks of the woman as the weaker vessel. And that, that offends us now, right? We get super offended by that. But here's what is actually being said in First Peter. He's speaking to a man, particularly a husband, that he is to honor and he is to understand his wife. He is speaking to him to say, this strength that I've given to you is not to say women are weak. He's saying he's given men a particular strength and that strength is a responsibility that that the weight of the family, the responsibility of the church, the responsibility of, 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 of leading has fallen squarely on the men's shoulders and they need to look at what God has given them, not as look at who I am and take pride in it. They need to understand being a man takes the weight of responsibility. They don't blame. They don't pass off. They rise up. You want to know what the Bible says about those positions that have authority and strength? that they're going to have stricter judgment and that a man should feel the weight of this, that being a man is not something to take pride in. It's actually something that should humble us and understand that we are going to fall under stricter judgment. We are going to feel the weight of this and we can't push it off. Second is this. Jesus is our example and I want you to hear this. Jesus is our example. He had all strength, all power, all authority and He gave it up and he died upon the cross and he comes in and he serves and he dies and he loves and he takes responsibility for sin and he pays the price. He foots the bill. He does all the work for who? For his bride. For those that he loves. He uses his power and preference and authority, not for his own gain, but for others. And so if we want to talk about what it is to be a man, we have to realize that all that God has given us is not for you. It's for, for others. Here's the last thing I want to encourage you with. View women through the eyes of family. It's, it's hard. It's hard to really look at women in a, an ungodly, sinful light when you see them in the eyes of family. This is not just speaking towards marriage. This is speaking towards men and women singers, but we should view women through the eyes of family as well as women viewing men through the eyes of family. And here's what I mean by that. It's hard to sexualize your sister. It's hard to sexualize your sister unless there's deep perversion. Why? Because here's what the Bible says, that there are sisters in Christ. They've been created. They come from the same Father. And that the first abiding love is that we see them not through the eyes of our own gain and how we can have them to fulfill our desires, but we see them created in the image of God as sisters in Christ. And here's what's hard to do. It's hard to step on your sister to elevate yourself. Why? Because if you're in family, you're not trying to get your own self lifted up. You want to see the whole family rise together. 
Stop suppressing women to try to get your own positions. Use the positions and strength and authority, the things that God's given to you to serve others, to lift them up, that they could shine, that they could be and know and understand who God has created them to be. Here's the last thing. You never let your sister stand by and struggle for herself. A brother jumps in and fights for his sister. You want to know the thing that saddens me the most is not that women are fighting for their rights. It's that men aren't the one who are fighting for the righteousness of God to come and to be that that they're standing by and just letting them do it and taking a passive role where they should be the loudest voices and saying, this is how God's created these. Here's here's what my dream is. Here's, Here's what I hope to see that the church would be a reflection of what gender relationships should look like. What it should look like for men and women to be in community together. And I know I've ran out of time, so I'm just going to ask the people to come who are going to be holding communion, and here's what we're going to do. I'm sorry I went so far over, but this is a sensitive, sensitive topic. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we come together and we gather in this place, I'm going to ask that you take a moment to let these words settle into your heart. And there, there's, there's, there's two things that I want to happen. One is repentance. You guys can bring the communion. One is repentance. I'm going to ask the Spirit to come and just reveal into your hearts maybe areas of pride and prejudice and, and ways that you've tried to elevate yourself, both men and women in this room, and ask that God's Spirit would reveal to us any area of sin in us. So as we come to communion, before we come to the table, the Bible calls us to repentance. The second thing is this, He calls us to respond. One is to respond in remembrance. And as you come to these tables, here's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about what Christ did to make us one. He's purchased us. That we're not going to compete as brothers and sisters, but we're going to learn... We want to walk in understanding, and here's what else we want. We want to walk in right alignment, complementary roles. We call ourselves complementarians. We call ourselves the people who men and women live in complementary roles in relationship. Why? Because here's what we believe. Not just so men could be elevated and women could be suppressed. It's so that together, in unity, we can reflect the goodness and glory of God as we live out the roles that God has given to us. So we respond and we remember. God, I pray that as we come to this table, as we come up these these aisles, God, I pray that you would put in our hearts this deep abiding repentance. Let us repent of our sin, God. Turn from our evil. God, I pray that the women in this room would see the value that they have and the men in this room would see the place and the value, the responsibility that they have. And they would see that it comes to them through Christ, not through themselves, and that we would learn what it is to live in harmony and unity.